Hello, good evening, and welcome to Ghana Connect. Over the last few weeks, we've seen traumatizing videos of entire communities submerged and taken over by the floodwaters brought about by the spillage of the Akosombo Dam. So many people who owned houses and were people of means are now sleeping in classrooms in the open with so many struggling to come by the very basic necessities of life. The general consensus seemed to be that government's response and its handling of the situation has been largely lethargic and uninspiring but government is beginning to pick up the pace and we are excited that that is happening however the focus for tonight is the people's response the people's response that of you and i how have we all come together as a community to support our compatriots who are displaced and going through these hardships through no fault of theirs really in the last few weeks also we've seen businesses and individuals moving in to these affected communities to donate in a bid to ameliorate their pain and suffering. Over the last few days also, questions have come up and concerns have been raised as to whether or not we are leaving these people to suffer because of who they might be, the vulnerable, the people downtrodden. Do you see anything to smile about? Look at that hungry child, yeah. Do you see anything to smile about? Look at the schools that you them not forget them education. Do you see anything to smile about? When we engineers get to a place where they can say to people, we told you to move and we did not move, so we have drowned you, those people have been thingified. I, I am willing to take an oath that that could never have been done in cantonments. Look on the gully side Do you see anything to smile about? Look at that hungry child, yeah Do you see anything to smile about? Look at the school that you... So tonight on the show we ask Where is the Ghanaian spirit of community, volunteerism and hospitality? Has it been on display at all? We connect after the break Go for gold and bet risk-free on the new season with Betway. Use the golden booking code found on the Betway site to bet on selected match week and get 100% back as a free bet on any losses. You always get more with Betway. Regulated by the Gaming Commission of Ghana. No under 18. Terms and conditions apply. Betway. Get way more. When you want to eat, just momo it. Tired of the long queues in the supermarket? Pay with Momo. When you really want that beautiful new blouse, just Momo it. When you want to get a trim and get fresh to impress you know who, just Momo it. When you need to pay your utility bills and domestic staff, Chani Momo. When you want to send love to the family back home, send some Momo. Join the millions of MTN Momo users all over Ghana and live life the brighter way. So just Momo it. MTN. 
Hooray! The Kingdom Books and Stationery Limited's Back to School promotion is here with us once again. From the 4th of September to the 31st of October 2023, Kingdom Books and Stationery Limited is giving a generous 10% to 15% discount on all school items like textbooks, pens, pencils, erasers, exercise books, and so much more across all our branches in Accra, Tema, Kumasi, Takradi, Winnipeg, Cape Coast. Parents, teachers, and students, please hurry while stock lasts. For more information, call us on 0302-764-101 or 0302-764-209 or email info at kingdomgh.com. You can also visit our website, www.kingdomgh.com. Kingdom Books, where quality and affordability are both assured. Terms and conditions apply. Syntex has it all. Syntex Tank was first to introduce double layer tank, and now you can have as many layers as you want. Syntex Tank was first to introduce white inner layer tanks in Ghana, and now introduces the customer specs order, which will let you order any color and size you want. Syntex Tanks gives you the biggest warranty of seven years, which no other tank gives you. So, whatever your water consumption, size of project, or demand, choose Syntex Tank. Syntex Tank, stress-free. Syntex Tank, reliable. Syntex Tank, maximum guarantee. Call 0244-335-168. Kumasi 0505-555-666. Or visit SyntexGH.com. Syntex Tank, a year strong, a year tough. For over 10 years, Old Mutual has been touching lives in Ghana. Whether you're a trader or a student, an entrepreneur, or an employer, or nearing your retirement, we have the right financial solutions tailored just for you. Contact Old Mutual on 030-7000-600 or visit our website on oldmutual.com.gh to learn more. And let's realize your financial freedom together. 10 years of greatness, here for a lifetime. Old Mutual, do great things every day. Hello and welcome back to Ghana Connect. My name is Kweku Asante. So, like I told you before, we want to take that break. We ask how our collective humanity, our collective treatment as a people and as a state reflects on our treatment for the vulnerable people on the back of this horrendous flooding of so many communities in the Volta 
and adjoining regions. Do you see anything to smile about? Look at that hungry child, yeah. Do you see anything to smile about? Look at the schools that you them not forget them education. Do you see anything to smile about? Colonialism, I'm quoting Emesize, equals thingification. To make a people an object, to make its culture an object, is a fundamentally dehumanizing process. End of quote. I will again modify Caesar's immortal words for our context. Neoliberalism equals thingification. I promise somebody that I will not make too much noise about VRA today, but I'll only say that when we engineers get to a place where they can say to people, we told you to move and we did not move, so we have drowned you, those people have been thingified. I, I am willing to take an oath that that could never have been done in cantonments. But the people of Mipe have been thingified. So we do these things and we, and we just move on. But I made a promise, so I'll try to keep to it. Well, that was Yao Nsako making a very poignant point about what is happening in the country and whether the people involved, the victims, where they live, where they are from, has anything to do with the state and our collective treatment of them. But of course, like I've said, and so many of you know this, disasters strike everywhere. It's almost a part of life. What many have argued, and I agree, that the impact of the Akosombo Dam spillage could have been greatly minimized. So many people have berated the Volta River Authority for spilling the volumes of water so late, but in such quantity as has completely taken over towns, bringing everything to a halt. But I digress, and I'm sure we can have some time when the waters recede to have this uncomfortable national conversation and hold people to account for their actions and inactions. But it will hurt if we all do not come together as a community to solve this. And let me ask, has this happened in any way? And the concerns that have been expressed, mainly about getting the victims some help, has that got to do anywhere, anything with where they are from, where they live? And as a collective society, have we offered the necessary help to these people?
natural disasters generally have this uncanny ability to expose both the best and worst in humanity. In times of floods, hurricanes, earthquakes and other calamities, the importance of communities coming together to help those in need cannot be overemphasized. Abandoning victims of such disasters reflects poorly not only on the state and government, but also on the general populace. As it underscores our collective responsibility as fellow citizens to support each other during these times of crisis. Communities are the bedrock of society and their strength truly shines during moments of adversity. Natural disasters are chaotic and unpredictable, causing widespread devastation and suffering. In such moments, the unity of a community becomes a beacon of hope for those affected. Neighbors, friends, and even strangers rally together, offering shelter, food, clothing, and emotional support to those in need. This spontaneous response highlights the human capacity for compassion and resilience. While the power of community support is crucial, the role of the state and government is even more important. A well-organized and swift response from authorities can save lives and mitigate the damage caused by natural disasters. Adequate disaster preparedness, timely evacuation plans, and efficient emergency response teams are the hallmarks of a responsible government. Abandoning victims in times of need not only reflects poorly on the government, but also jeopardizes the safety and well-being of the population. A government's inability or unwillingness to respond effectively can lead to greater suffering and loss. The state and all of us have a moral obligation to support our fellow citizens and community members in such times of crisis. This support extends beyond just immediate relief efforts and includes long-term recovery plans. The general populace bears a collective responsibility in such times. Empathy, solidarity and a willingness to assist those affected by such events are qualities that define a compassionate society. Turning a blind eye to the suffering of others not only reflects poorly on individuals, but also weakens the social fabric that binds a community together. The willingness to volunteer, donate and support relief efforts is an essential part of being a responsible and caring citizen. The strength of a society lies in its ability to come together, pooling resources and expertise to provide assistance to those in need. Abandoning victims in such situations is a failure of moral and ethical obligations we owe to each other as members of the same society. We see it in so many countries, the power of community and how mobilizing help is important. What accounts for the general disdain for life, the carelessness and the lackluster in how we have helped our fellows in need since the voter floods. The U.S. will deploy every resource at its disposal to save a single life. Why do we not seem to be able to do the same? And in the face of natural disasters like what we have just seen, or some would even say it's just man-made disaster, people need to come together to reflect the best of humanity's capacity for compassion. And abandoning our colleagues in such a time is not the best. To be truly resilient in the face of such nat natural disasters, we must recognize our collective responsibility and work together to ensure no one is left behind. You can always send in your materials, whatever you have, to the Volta region. Give to those in need, those people who had their means and today have been forced to sleep in classrooms. What are we doing for them even when the waters recede? Are their buildings going to be strong enough to withstand the ravages of the weather? That is something we all need to think about in the long term. So as we send rice, oil, drinks to them, the bigger question is, 
how do we resettle them back in society? And I have some very brilliant minds to help me discuss this. Efodela is a blogger. He's based in the United Kingdom. He's connecting with us. Efodela, good evening, and thanks for connecting with us. Thank you. Um, actually, I'm based in Ghana at the moment, and I've not been busy in the United Kingdom. Oh, Efodela, right. Okay, I, 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 I mistake that. At first, is the Ghanaian that is based in the United Kingdom. First, it's good to hear from you again on Ghana Connect. Oh, thank you very much, Rick. We'll hope you well and a good evening to all your listeners. I'm doing well. great. Nuchukwi Gertrude did something heartwarming and remarkable this week when she volunteered her services to teach school children put out of school in her community because of the floods for free. Gertrude, it's good to have you connecting with us on Ghana Connect this evening. Thank you for having me. And then Charlie is a TV host, one of the many who have moved in droves to some of these communities affected to offer their help. Charlie, it's good to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. Good evening. Right. So we'll zoom right into the conversation shortly. But my colleague, Ophir J, has some really interesting data that tells the kind of communities that have been affected by this. For so many of you, you've been listening to the news every now and then. And you, you do realize that we've been very big on it here at Joy News. But some of you still lack uh, the, the proper context in terms of how bad the situation is. And Kofi J is a man here who works on all this data and is joining me with details. Kofi, so tell us about these communities mm. that, are, that are affected. Who are they and what are their stories? Kweku, I can confidently say that this is a national disaster because as we speak, over 38,000 people have been displaced. And not just from one region or two regions, we are talking about nine districts scattered across the country and along the Volta River. And we are looking about seven districts alone in the southern, you know, southern parts of the Volta region and then also greater Accra region. So we have places like Adan East affected where we have, uh, you know, uh, Aqua Safari all being flooded. We also have a Sujaman. We also have Saktong, Noktong and also Anglogan, all of these areas, we see heavy delta being created as a result of these floods. And we are not just talking about communities mm. and the number of people who have been affected. We are talking about communities who contribute mm. to the rice production of this country. And we've been big and on consuming local absolutely, rice. Absolutely, local rice. If I look at the map right now, if you look at the areas affected, these are areas that produce significant parts of our local rice that we consume here in Ghana. And all their farmlands been have been submerged. And, and we are talking about nine districts. Nine and districts. over 38,000 hmm. people displaced. Wow. Kofi, that's a really grim picture that you've painted for us. A good point to zoom right into the conversation. Let me start with you, Shali. And I must put on record, Shali is not um, um, a Ghanaian citizen, so, so to speak. But one of the foreign nationals who've lived in this country for, for such a long time and have even become a part of our society, our fabric, and really went in there. I've seen videos, our colleague Ray Monaco showed me videos, of you going into the community and offering as much support as you could. I mean, let me take your general reaction as to what you saw in the community and whether you, you think that generally as a society, you've been able to help those in need currently. Um, to be honest, what I saw was very striking and um, I, I was very shocked to see that 
um, people are staying in schools currently. So the ones who are affected most at the end of the day are the children because their education is being halted. Um, you know, teachers uh, are, are doing the best they can. They really try to save the kids when the floods were happening. Um, and it's striking to see. And when we speak about the community helping, there is still so much that has to be done. And um, um, there is still so much work. Like these people need shelter. They need relief items. And I feel like we could do way more as a community than, than what we're doing at this moment. Mm. So, Alphonsella, um, you've heard that from Charlie talking about how much more help these people need. And all week I've seen businesses. Some of them are taking advantage of the situation, of course, to market their brands. But we still take the, the, the generosity anyway. Moving in there, donating food, materials that will help them. But if you've been to the communities, you see how much more help they need. What sense do you get as a community in our response to this disaster? So um, first, I want to say that one of the most underrated things about a natural disaster is the storytelling. And I want to really, I really appreciate the storytelling that Joy FM and a lot of other radio stations have done. And to be able to carry the situation to people to elicit their empathy to donate. Because if people are not telling those stories, then people can't um, understand what is going on. So Joy FM and the other radio stations have done a good job to bring the stories because otherwise we wouldn't hear it. Like um, someone mentioned a few weeks ago that this has been going on for a while, but a lot of people haven't heard it. And so it's, it doesn't, um, like, it doesn't force our leaders to take actions that will help prevent these things because once nobody is hearing about it, the leaders are likely to get away with it. I think that um, the general feeling is that Ghanaians want to help, but in times of tragedy and things like that, we need leadership. Everybody wants to volunteer, but you need a place to be able to channel your energy. So, I, like I said, I really appreciate the work the radio stations have been doing to help collaborate and um, bring the story. On the opposite side of this is um, the reaction from the um, some of our politicians and some of the the authorities involved when people were saying that the people should have left and things like that. But it's very difficult for you to ask people to suddenly approach their lives in such a short notice. And I feel like politicians need to be more empathetic to people in distress and let their speech writers do their job rather than going there and trying to speak on their own. That puts them in a bad situation. But I, but like I said, I, I really understand um, the, the empathy that people are bringing, the donations, and um, the volunteering. I think a lot of people want to volunteer, but they don't know how to do it, which is why most people are likely to donate their money rather than donate their time, because they don't know how to um, donate their time or where to do it. And in such situations, like you also mentioned, some organizations might want to take advantage of the situation and ride on the misery to sell their product and even though we are taking the product um i think like once again i think joy fm has done a very good job balancing the social responsibilities and the empathy that we need to give to the people but as a nation our preparedness for national disasters is very very much lacking um and it's very sad to see like somebody mentioned if this happened in cantonment there's not how we would treat the people these are vulnerable people these are people who are holding the food baskets of the country we should be treating them with more dignity 
and more um, urgency, we should realize that lots of fish farming communities are going to be affected. Lots of rice farming communities are going to be affected. And these are people that we might not see, but they make the things in Ghana move much more smoother and they deserve the dignity that the politicians are not offering them. Um, yeah. And for the like, talk about dignity. And for us, you live in a community where maybe one would say the state re- responds to such disaster with such much more alacrity than what we do here. I mean, were, were you surprised? I mean, last week we've, we've shown the spotlight on government response. And, and a lot of people took on the president for going there and talking about votes, who votes for him and who does not. I mean, for someone who lives in the United Kingdom, a Ghanaian, were you surprised to hear that kind of comments from the president? And if you juxtapose that with what you see in the society that you live in now, was there some chasm that really drew up and really caught up with you? Well, thank you once again, Koku. And um, let me just be very clear. Um, flooding happens everywhere in the UK at the moment. We've got we've just been battered with uh, storm uh, Babette that has we've got people dying, and it happens. It's always to do with the response that uh, communities need to come together and galvanize themselves together to actually support each other. But just as you mentioned, sometimes I always tend to approach these sort of disasters with a two-prong approach. Because you, we, we're talking about, I think the media's got loads to do. And now also, just to reiterate the previous uh, speaker's words, I really appreciate the fact that you've shown a bit more light onto this, this issue. And people are getting to really understand the facts and the need for community support. Yes, we have agencies, government agencies, who are meant to actually support people. But at no point have I heard that the Voltary Authority, which which mandate was, which who actually did this opening or spillage or whatever you call it, is part of this whole situation. I, I, I've never heard them uh, advertise opening of this dam on radio at any point. I've never heard any media house saying that, oh, we announced it to people and they, they were slow to react, even though if they were slow to react. And I just feel that. It's high time we walk away from politicking with issues like this. Because let's not forget, like the previous caller said, these are people that feed Ghana. And these are our bread baskets. These are the people that bring the food into the markets. And let's not, let's not do the whole division of, oh, if it was here. Yes, if it was in Cantonment, most people in Cantonment, what they're doing in Cantonment are seeing because they're in the, in the city. Even when this happens in Accra, the way it's dealt with is different. And so we just need to walk away from that and look at it from the human side of it, where human beings are really suffering. And we call ourselves, and this is the bit that drives me really mad. If you see any Ghanaian on a Sunday, 95% of them will be going to church. So where is our God-given humanity right? that helps people in need real Ghanaians are in need and the media is politicking with it focusing on sound bites and that is not important to me i just feel that nadmo um all the other agencies that are meant to work collaboratively together to support the average Ghanaian in this time of need has failed and this happens over and over and over again and nobody gets being brought to book. 
And that is where my problem stands. Who is being held to account when things like this happen? Mm. It, it, it's totally different, it's totally different in the UK. We will have mayors, we will have MPs, they will all go in and do their things. Communities will pull together. I've seen communities pulling together. I've also seen politicians have gone into those areas and trying to politic with it. And that really breaks my heart. At what point will Ghanaians really accept that not everything has got something to do with politics? Really, really, really interesting, interesting points you make there. And I'll come to Sally shortly because I like what Sally has been doing in the going into those communities to see herself first and, and what can be done. But this week, here on Joy FM, we told you the story about one lady who decided that because of the so many schools that have been submerged, one by the waters, and those that have been turned into temporary shelters, students are unable to go to school. So she decides to gather some of these students and teach them because for so many of these school children they would probably have to wait till all these waters recede after so many weeks or even months before they can get back to school let me talk to Gertrude and she did this remarkable thing that we reported here on journeys Gertrude so what at what point did you decide that this is something you wanted to do and what was the trigger for you okay good evening well then we moved into the camp it was after three days that I decided to gather a few of the kids and then teach them. You see, as a concerned citizen of this country, I couldn't just sit and watch the kids disturb their parents, play all day long, instead of being in the classroom. So I just decided to gather a few of that kids and I decided to teach them. So, I mean, how many school children now have you been able to start gathering them around to, to do something? And, and, and for the sake of our listeners, which part of the Volta region are you doing this? Okay. When I started, it was six kids. But so far, and today I got 82 in my class. That was 82? And I'm in what, what What number did you say again? 82. 82 students now under your wings teaching them. Yes. Wow. Get you. That's incredible. So, have you have you gotten any help so far? Have you gotten any help from the members of the community, people who have come around, teaching learning materials, as well as maybe more of your colleagues joining in you? What is the situation now? Or this is something that you're doing on your own? Okay. I've had help from the MP. Honorable Samuel and now um, Ashok from Shivitari. And another organization, which I've forgotten the name, but it provided me with teaching and material. And after the MP came to see what I was doing, I also gathered a few volunteers to help me out. Were you able to meet the Minister of Education when he came to the community this week? No. Because a part of the concerns that have been expressed so far is the education of the children in those communities. When are they going back to school? And at what point um, do they really get to know that school and school life really is back to normalcy and 
of course, on top story one of these days in this week, you had the concerns and the, the, the concerns that government was probably not taking the issue as seriously. But of course, the Education Ministry, PR, Kwisi Kwarteng, pushed back and said that government was gathering data and at some point we we're going to do something. Let, let, me, let me go back to Charlie and, 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 and get back on, on all this. Since, since you've been in these communities and just now, I've also gone on and I've seen a video that you made on, on X, formerly Twitter, where you talk about what these people really need now. What are, what are the kind of things that you think they need now so that we are, all of us listening, if you have any of them and in any way that we can help, we can really go to their aid? So the main thing that I was told that the people over there need is to be relocated ASAP. Um, of course, this is a very big cost to relocate everybody um, so they can sleep somewhere else and in the schools and the kids can resume their education. Um, I was also told that they need mattresses, they need blankets to sleep um, and any other kind of relief items like food, um, but they don't have electricity to, to cook. I was um, told that a lot of people donated rice and noodles, but they don't have electricity to cook. So things that don't require electricity, um, clothing items, anything, anything that, that um, you know, that people can help with. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm watching a video now of you, I mean, going, going through some blo blocks that had been laid so that you can cross where the, where the, wat the, the water had, had, had just taken over <laughs> that, that community. What, what, yes. what was the sense you get when you, when you enter the community of these people, their struggles, some of them still managing to, to put a smile on their own faces? Do you sense despondency or do you get a sense that they really feel like the communities are with them? And they are going to get come to their aid every now and then. Um, well, to to come back to what you said, like it's very remarkable that despite everything that's going on, the children and the people still find a way to smile and be happy and enjoy life. And I think that is something that we all can learn from. Um, but there is so much help needed. Uh, I also saw people that were very frustrated. Um, uh, I'm not sure if they feel like, I, well, the comments that I'm reading on social media um, is that the Voltarians feel like they are on their own, like the rest of Ghana is, is not standing with them. And I, I really would like us to change that, to show them that we do all stand united with them. I, I thought the, is, that, is that the same sense you get that the, the, the people who have been affected by these floods, the victims, are probably on their own? Because I've seen communities move, people moving there, donate their widows' might. Charlie has done hers. There have been big businesses who've been doing so on the media airwaves, not only here, so many media houses trying to get as much. But of course, there's still much more help that must go down there. Do you get a sense that the sense of despondency is creeping in? And these people probably just feel that they are, they are on their own. I, I can understand why the people would feel a certain sense of despondency. And I can understand if they feel neglected. I personally have seen a lot of people volunteer from all sorts of communities. And even though it's not enough, I do appreciate what they are doing. And I want more. But like one of the things that we, I think that one of the um, participants mentioned is like leadership is very, very lacking in all of this. And um, there are so many voices coming, speaking, and saying, giving different messages, which makes it very difficult for anybody to feel like there's some empathy coming. 
on one of the problems that we've had over the years, and I might be wrong, is that we, we don't see NADMO as an organization that is there for disaster um, support. Or, or we see NADMO, as and most people would agree, is an organization where if a party wins, they sack everybody and put their people there. So we, I don't get the sense, I usually don't get the sense that we have people who are experts at disaster management in such organization because at, after every election, they are carted out and a new set of people are brought in. So the people who are there do not might be trying their best, but they do not have any sense of disaster management, any sense of communication in disaster management period, or just any sense of organization during the disaster management period. So we've had to rely on private sector and media houses to lead them. So I, as somebody who is going through, as somebody who would be in the situation, they will look at the government and see that the government doesn't seem to be doing anything for them. It's rather other uh, organizations like radio stations, and they might appreciate the radio stations and the private sector doing things for them, but they would be looking at government and thinking that um, we do a lot for the country and the government is not doing enough for us. Um, somebody is coming to mention that, uh, make a, a random joke about votes at this point in time seems insensitive. So um, all of these things would give somebody who is going through this disaster a sense that their plight is not as important to the government as it is, as, as it should be. And the, um, it might be important to the government, but government has not done enough to show that it's important to them. Their communication has been terrible, their organization has been terrible, and just the, the general sense of agency has been really lacking. And VIA as an organization has not also done enough PR to let the people feel like they are cared for. Um, in as much as we want to protect the dam, the, the the communication should always be about what is happening to people. I hear, I heard on one radio station um, mention that um, they are not going to let the dam break, and and I thought that that was really unfortunate because at the moment we shouldn't, even though we don't want the dam to break, we shouldn't be thinking about saving the dam more oh, than nice. we should. Even if that is the plan, mm. we should be talking about what is happening to people and how we can mitigate the suffering that is in their life. Mm. And and for those of you listening to us, 055-1111997, you can send in your WhatsApp messages. I'm really interested in knowing what you think. Do you agree that as a people, we probably have failed the, those persons who are, who are bearing the brunt of the Akosombo Dam spillage? And for context, the Akosombo Dam serves a large part of the country in terms of distribution of electricity. For those living along those banks, you know, the Kosovo Dam is man-made. That the, the voter like is really man-made. And they've had to twist their livelihood in a, in a certain way so that all of us can have light. In the last few days when these great core issues have been coming up and the lights have been going off and on intermittently, you've seen how important electricity is to us in our lives. But these are the people who have sacrificed some part of themselves and their lives their survival so that Akosumbo Dam can work, the, the, the hydro dam there can work so that you can get electricity in your, in your home. So I'm interested in knowing what you think, whether we've gone to their aid well enough or you think there's more to do 055-1111-997 on WhatsApp. I'll be interested in knowing that. And uh, before, before I go to force, I want to ask from you do, you, do you sense that there's any truth in any comments that these people may be downtrodden 
vulnerable, maybe even poor because of where they live, some of the communities involved. And so the help hasn't really come. Because I've heard there just now from um, Yaon Sako, who's just said that. If this happened in cantonments, it's legal. If some of the disasters happen in certain communities or certain parts of the country, the response would have been different from the people to the state. You're saying that is a helpful dialogue or that's just an uncomfortable conversation that must be had anyway. But I, I, I really struggle. I hope I, I hope this question is directed to me, Koko. Well, first, let me um, hear you. Uh, I, I'm really, I really struggle when people just see what I call a cheap shot comment because it's a very easy thing to do. And this is some of the things that I don't tend to actually engage in because it takes the focus of the people suffering. And um, whatever people are suffering, we should forget about putting them in a class before we help them. Help is help. And I get sick and tired of the cheap things that people say. If it happens, if an accident happens and people are going to help, they'll help. They don't go and look at the type of person or the type of car. Maybe in Ghana, that's how they look at it. Unfortunately, well, fortunately in the UK, when you call an ambulance, wherever you are, they try and get an ambulance to you. That's how it works. So I think people should start walk away from those scenarios where we're actually trying to pick the type of human being we help. And that is what I sense with a question like that. And let's just be very honest uh, with ourselves. If you, Kweku, as you sat there, you are in need of help and somebody brings you rice and you cannot get heat to heat the rice, what is the use of rice here? In the UK, when we get disaster relief, we get people actually going to those aid with real food, cooked food, hot meals. They put the, the, the cups of tea get there. They don't just send them tea bags and go, go find some hot water from somewhere to actually keep. So when we're doing disaster relief, we need to focus on the most important things. Not just sending them bags of um, noodles or bags of oil for just sending bags of oil's sake. We need to actually look at what they need. If they need food, mm -hmm. go and give them ready-made food. Not mm -hmm. just... Not, if it, listen, I'd rather you give me gari that I can eat without anything than giving me a bag of rice. And, take, and the, the bit that gets me... I'm sorry if I'm raising my voice because I get really passionate about this. The bit that gets me is, is taking people to go there to go and do photo shoot. That really kills me. How many of them give foods to their kids at home and take a picture of it? How many of them do that? We should so, be ashamed if we're actually doing this because we want a photo shoot and we want a politic in here. How can we, when are we going to see our fellow human beings as human beings instead of any way of us getting a quick tick in the box example of look at me, I did this. I mean, uh, so yeah. uh, I, I want to um, follow up on what Fal said. And the problem in this case, like I said, always comes down to leadership. If um, NADMO was a properly organized um, disaster management organization, they would put out a list of things they actually want people to donate. So, for example, they would, if they put out rice, they would know that people can't cook their rice at the moment. So, they would probably say that um, anyone who can donate something to help cook their rice or anyone who can do donate fresh cooked food they will do people want to help and so they are given what they think they can help but there is no organization nobody is saying that at this point in time we've received so many bags of rice and so people should stop bringing rice and bring let's say toilet paper nobody like so everybody is just trying to help and the leadership is missing and in ghana one of the things that is always missing is leadership that people have a lot of good intentions but because there's no leadership to coordinate it the good intentions will just spill out into ways that 
we'd rather uh, makes it look bad. And so we have people receiving rice, and I'm sure they are grateful, but they would be more grateful if they could cook the rice. And NADMO has not put out any information that, like, this is the number of bags of rice we've received, so can you instead donate maybe... I, I really, I, if, if I may interject, I really like the fact that you're talking about this whole rice issue. But do you, based on what I'm on, I'm not on the ground, I'm just picking on what you've just said. You've said loads of media houses have actually got involved with this thing. But how many media houses have actually done a cook, a cook day for them? For what they got? How many media houses have actually been on the ground and go, okay, today we have set up a food feeding point, a food feeding joint where you come and eat and not have to worry about where, you, where even if you eat for 25 minutes, 30 minutes, you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat and how you're going to cook. Because, Jermaine, I just think that the whole process of helping people is a politicking or is, is basically a me, it's just, it's, in a way, it dehumanized the people there. Everybody's taking advantage of what they're going through. And it shouldn't be that way. It really shouldn't be that way. Mm. I mean, good point. Um, I'll bring in, I'll bring in, I'll, I'll, I'll bring in um, um, Shali in a moment so that Shali can also give us some perspective because she's also been there. But get through this, get through this here, get through lives there. She lives in that community. Get through, do you sense that you and your family, your folks, the people who have been affected terribly by this disaster have gotten the kind of help you need from all of us, the government, the people? Do, do you sense that you, you have all that you need? No, please. And all that I mentioned earlier that I have 82 kids in primary three now. And now we've distributed a class from the one state three. And in each class, we have two students. So I am handling only 82 alone. So um, for the help, I don't think, no, we've not had the help that we're supposed to or the help that yeah. Hmm. This is this. I mean, this is Gertrude. Gertrude is Gertrude is not a professional teacher, strictly speaking, so to speak. But she has eighty-two students under her belt, trying to impact to try and teach them. There are so many teachers, professional teachers, who have been displaced. Some of them have nowhere to lay their head. Some of them are living in communities, coming to a cry in other places of the country where they can get some some really decent accommodation and other places to live these are people who are not living in classrooms i mean to paint a picture i mean i've been there I've, i long before this became such a big thing in the news i'd gone to agobledokui in the anglo constituency and i'd seen for myself first and some of these communities these are i mean i'm i'm, I'm for, for those of you whose sensibilities might be affected I'm, i apologize but these are communities where sewage has been mixed with the water up to the roof level. It just makes that when the community is sitting in it, their toilet facilities have not been taken over by the water, flooded, mixed, everything, and it's gone to their roof level. Some of them are living in this. Some of them, I've, I've, I have seen rooms where they've, they've put bricks, they've laid bricks to a certain point so that they can put a mattress on it. Whilst the water is in the room and sleep there. That is not how they want to sleep. But where do you go? So they, they are there and the smell is palpable. These are not conditions in which humans should live. But because of the disaster. And the 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 the, the cost of them, the spillage hasn't ended. For emphasis, the spillage hasn't ended. We are still spilling water. And the VRA says it, is, it does not know clearly when it can stop. 
So, of course, up until maybe the end of the year, the end, the end of this month and the first or second week in November, this pillage is going to continue. And then it will take some time for, for this water to recede, properly so-called, so that we can relocate these people. Some of the concerns that have come in, and, and Charlie made that point about relocating them. The question has come, relocating them to where? Okoyota Blackwater and some private organizations have started cutting salt to construct some temporary shelters and also to construct some really resettlement places for some of these people. There have been calls for these people to be moved to Saglebi. Charlie, do you, do you know the Saglebi? Do you know Saglebi? No, I don't. You don't? Okay, so, so what, what, Saglemi is, uh, is, is some uh, affordable residential homes that were, that were constructed by the previous government. It's been abandoned now because of some value for mm -hmm. money order that government has said. They've been questions for them to move. But because we like that context, I'll, I'll take that with Efodela and then maybe force. But do you, do you sense there's a, that urgent need to relocate them? Or if you look at the situation, the waters can recede in time for these people to still live there. Or you, you really believe that maybe we should really re relocate them for now and then, and then, and then have something later? Um, oh. I think... I, I think the situation is is so bad that even when the water withdraws, like the permanent damage that has been done, I do think a lot of people need permanent relocation. And what if the dam overflows again? Mm -hmm. Then what? What is going to happen the next time? So I, I do think that is a call for the government where we should relocate the people to because they will have a better insight on that. Um, and if not, then then with the donations that are being received, maybe constructions can be done um, and, and we can find places to, to relocate the people to because this is very urgent. Like the schools, it's it's not a way to live. Like you said, the sewage and, and the, the water of the dam, it's all... It's all polluting the communities. Yeah. It's not a healthy way or a sustainable way to live. And and God knows how long it will take to rebuild the homes, uh, and the shops, and 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 even you know a lot of farms got got destroyed, farming land and all of that. So I do think we need to find a more permanent solution. Um, I also wanted to add uh, a little bit to the to what we just discussed. I think misinformation is also a big issue. Um, hence why I wanted to go there myself and, and see what the people say that they need rather than just sending out items. Um, and, and another thing is, um, I, I'm not sure if if it's being covered enough by the media outlets. I know there's there's some some stations that are doing the best they can in, in storytelling, um, but not everybody watches TV. Like, I feel like if it would happen in my country, like, it would be all over. Um, and, and this is also one of the reasons that I wanted to go there and show people what is actually going on and maybe even get help from outside. Um, so, so I think misinformation is 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 a big problem in this situation. Mm. Um, for the Staglemi, are we? I mean, the yeah. cause the minority have been there. They've said that, and the government government really has brushed that aside for now. But did you? Is that a practicable? Is that a practicable idea? Um, the idealist in me would say yes, temporarily, but practically, it's. It's going to be very difficult. You are moving people who have a certain way of life to a place where they wouldn't be able to uh, experience that way of life. These people are farmers. If you come and put them at Saglemi, 
in the end they still have to, once they recover they still have to get back to their work and there is no there are no lands there for them to farm so then their quality of their life and their dignity would be very affected mm. now once again it comes back to leadership and we expect nadmo to take a leadership um position in all of this they should be able to give us a, pro- a proper project management plan and let us know that for example once we this is done we are going to relocate them to where um, this is the environmental impact and when we relocate them to this place they will still be at least able to um continue their their way of life in a digni- in a dignified way we don't expect them after all of this um their lives will be so up um turned over that they would be dependent on stipends and um things from people we want to make sure that they get back in and like in all of this everything i've keep, kept on saying is that we expect our disaster management team to give us a proper plan. Otherwise, we can't get out of this. There's no way we get out of this without proper planning and proper leadership. Hmm. It doesn't matter how many good intentions we have. Uh, we need data. We need planning. We need execution. We need somebody to take responsibility and things like that. So, um, sounds great and everything, but what's the impact? How would it impact their lives? I need somebody. We need somebody to tell us. Oh, interesting, interesting there. And 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 I'll take some comments that have come in on our, on our text console. Then then we can really wrap up the conversation here. This one is from Williams. So what that listening in Akusi he says, "Good evening, Joy from the VR has never said anywhere that people were informed so they should be left in the water to their feet. VR cares so much for the people and have directors living in their cantonment homes and sleeping on the fields." in the communities distributing relief items. So far, about 20 million cities relief items and medications has been sent to the communities. William saw that, listening from Akusi, that's an interesting point you make there. But of course, it must be put on record that the Minister for Sanitation has spoken about how those people fail to move and how government has to spend that amount of money. So, VRA may be doing their best, but of course, the sanitation minister has made some comment which have been criticized. This one says, the people should be relocated now. Even when the water dries down, the environment and structures will not be safe at all for our brothers and sisters. For crying out loud, these people are Ghanaians also. William Clinton, Apo, listening inside Asamankesi. I see you, William. Um, thanks for connecting with us on the show today. This one said, good evening. My take on this issue is Ghana is acting like a typical Ghanaian attitude where you have to be a certain person before the agency to help comes for you. Dagadu, listening from Avatime. Good, good, good to hear from you. This one says, uh, good evening, Kweku. We are joke. We are joking in this country. We should put corrupt people in certain positions. For how long should these Nadmo guys continue to behave, behaving this way? Joshua Tete, listening to us from Spain text. This one says, Good evening, Kweku. The people of Volta can't live in their homes and sleep peacefully because, especially people of North Central and South Tong and Logar District, Keta Municipal and Keju South, because of that unprofessional spillage of the river Volta. And we don't know how many months or years it will take for the water to dry up. Oh, Viare, why have you targeted Honorable Kujota Black and the people of Volta region like this? Well, of course, they, they, they must be stated that Viare said they, they, they had to do this. They really had to do this. This one um, says, good evening. Thanks for the work that you do. My name is Mocho from Accra. I want to say that concern the disaster in the Volta region, the government should come up with a permanent solution to the spillage. The people should be relocated for good. This one. The last one I think I want to say, Peter from Tema West says, our leaders have filled us. Everything has become about politics. Thanks for all of you that have, that have, that have sent in your, your messages. But just about, just, just, just before 
we live and we have just about two minutes to do so. First, what do you think should happen? In the next few days, real leadership, both from the community level and from the state level, so that we can see some impact as we really hope that the waters recede as soon as practical. Kweku, thank you very much, and I'll be very brief with this one. I think what really needs to happen is we need to look at the root cause of these things because sometimes we just forget that there's a reason, there's a cause and effect. And most of these flooding, and maybe, and I might, I might be totally wrong, but the, these people have permits in building in those areas. These things do happen, and they happen because sometimes when you go deep down, they will have built in places they're not meant to build. And we need to look at that. We need to get a proper planning permission. We need to look at the way we build. We need to look at the way we urbanize in certain areas. And if these people were to be relocated, like um, my colleague said, um, uh, the other panel said, what, where are they going to get the lands to actually do what they do every day to give them their bread and butter? So moving forward, I just want that specific leadership role from NADMO because that is what it's meant to be there for. And we should stop playing politics with every situation that we get in Ghana because we are Ghanaians before politics. Mm. Yeah, you ask me, I'm a Ghanaian. Before that politics comes in, we should look at human beings as Ghanaians before their poli the political spectrum Definition. they tend to support. Mm. And that is my final word on this. Thank, thank you. Th thank you very much, um, Force. Always, I mean, a delight to listen to you when you come onto the show because of, of, of the perspectives you bring. And Charlie, Charlie. Hello, yes, Sh I'm yeah, here. Yeah, Shali, thanks so much for all that you do. I've seen the videos of you going in the community, living with the people, seeing all their struggles, coming on here, telling their story, asking for as much, as much help as we can all contribute and send there. Because, of course, the truth is that when it comes to the media and our coverage of the situation, and here joining us, I can promise you, we have, we have, we have journalists stationed in these communities who are going to keep telling the stories up until... There's nothing to tell from there anymore. But sometimes the media moves on quite quickly. And so it's important for these conversations to be had and for people like you to go on there, use your social media influence to be able to garner as much support as you can get. Charlie, thank you very much for all you do and thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. And I hope we can keep inspiring people and motivate others also to donate and help the people in need, not just now, but always and and to use our influence that we have for good and positive things. Mm. Thank you so much for having me. And therefore, the last well, thank you very much. Always a delight to have you on Ghana Connect. It's been a while since you came back, and now we are welcoming you. I'm sure you're going to come back uh, in the in the next coming days. Thank you very much, Efodela, for all you do. And and then and and then Gertrude, your story inspired me when I heard the story about what you've decided to do to help these school children in your communities. And now 82 of them under your wings, teaching them and giving them something to be hopeful about. Before school can fully resume, they would, they, they, they would have had something to, to ponder about. Thank you very much, Gertrude, for all you do. And thank you very much for coming on as well. Thank you for having me. Well, for all of you who also tuned in, thank you very much. 055 that's the message line that you sent in. Really grateful. And... You can always move into these communities, Mepe, Angloga, Keta. They need your help. You can almost always go there and offer the help that you can. My name is Kweku Asante. Next week, we'll be back again with an even more interesting conversation right here on Ghana Connect.